No Guts, No Galaxy is recorded in front of a live studio audience. This is an adult podcast containing adult language. Consider yourself warned. Every single hour in MWO, a mech is violently abused. 3,000 mechs were rescued last month alone. For hundreds of thousands of others, help came too late. Hi, I'm Duncan Fisher. Will you be an angel for a helpless medium or light mech? Every day, innocent mechs are abused when they wander off alone and are crying out for help in text chat. Please, respond to their pleas and join the MWO MPA. That's the Mech Warrior Online Mech Protection Association. With a monthly gift right now. For only one month of premium time, you too can give lone wolves ammo, armor, group invites, and the love they so desperately need. It's a hard, harsh world of 733Cs, but you can make a difference. Act now. You're listening to the Gamecasting Broadcast Network. Live from the outreach studios around the world, this is a No Guts, No Galaxy podcast. And now, your host, Phil, a.k.a. Sean Lang. Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy Podcast 101. My name is Phil, and I'm your host. Today is January 29th, 2014. I'm joined by Darren, a.k.a. Bombadil. Hello. And today's co-host, Brandon, a.k.a. Catchkel. Hello, everybody. And special guest host, Tyler, a.k.a. Jaeger12. How you doing? Hello. All right, so uh, we're back after a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, we missed last week's uh, recording because I was under the weather. Or I should say, my stomach hated me and uh, did not let me. Yeah, we're not going to go in there. But uh, anyways, I just you're above do... the weather now. Yes, yeah, so I'm good. Everything's good. Uh, quick shout out to uh... <laughs> we've been flooded on our team speak by Aces Wild. What's going on, guys? Represent... Aces Wild. There's literally um, want to say forty, forty plus. I don't thousands. Who's counted? I don't know. There's too many of them. But the, uh... the deck is definitely stacked. Too many aces. Not not too many. Never enough. All right, so we got a few discussion topics today. I'm going to go ahead and dive into the first one. It's been a while since this thing was introduced, the gridiron. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on the gridiron since it's been introduced? I mean, we are wanting a different uh, hunchback with a missile and a ballistic. We got it. Did it live up to our expectations? Brennan? I think it's definitely much different. It, it's, uh, it's more versatile but at the same time it's a little bit more restrictive i found myself running basically the the basic version of the g on it that's about it uh definitely hard points it's really hard to i find utilize everything on it like it's really hard to utilize those ballistic slots the energy slots and the missile slots all at the same time and be effective yeah there was pretty much nowhere else they could go with the hero hunchback we already had all the other varieties with the base variants but yeah it's a 50 ton mech it's uh, not quite heavy enough that it can fully utilize all those hard points the way it really wants to without that XL engine, which is a massive viability, as everybody knows, in uh, Hunchback with the gigantic right torso. Did I say viability? I meant liability. Crap. Number one, I'm surprised that nobody's talking about, uh, I think, the major advantage, which is the uh, cheerleader cockpit item. I think it's very appropriate. We're talking about the gridiron during Super Bowl time, so... As far as the mech in game, though, is the same as Brandon. I pretty much went straight to the 4G. So for those that don't have the Founders mechs, I guess it's a 4G that uh, makes you some extra money. Um, I'd have to say I actually like it. Um, I, I've said this on the stream. Uh, yes, you can mimic the 4G setup, right? I mean, AC-23 mediums, you can do ex exact same. And for those that did miss out on the Founders, it is a way to get that 30% Seabell bonus. But the one thing that it does have on top of all the other ones it has around a 15% faster torso twist uh, speed, too. So it is a little bit quicker on that. But uh, I do agree with uh, Brandon. Uh, the missile slot, I've tried to find a setup 
you don't want to go with SRMs really right now because of the hit issues, right? I mean, I think we can all agree the hit detection on the SRMs is off and on. Some matches it's good, some it's not. Well, I don't want to take that risk. So, well, do you take a Streak 2? I don't think a Streak 2 1 is worth it. So either you take LRMs or you don't take them at all and you end up back to the energy and ballistic. So I feel like What's your current loadout? Uh, two large lasers, AC5 and a medium laser. I'd, obviously, I can do something very similar to the 4H and the 4G. I just wanted something different. Now, the one thing I did want to ask you guys about, you know, the hunchbacks and the visual changes across the board is they actually, uh, what they did is they, they created a base torso to the hunchbacks now. So actually, it's the weapon geometry that spawns in between the difference, blah, blah, blah. So now you've got like the 4J that was improved, in my opinion, and had this ginormous box reduced down to actually about a third of the size as, as it originally was. Actually, like the 4J now, it's the the box isn't as prominent, so it's, you know, little, I guess it's a little bit harder to hit, or at least it's not as, hey, shoot me here as much. While as the 4J, the 4H, excuse me, the 4H, 4G, uh, and the gridiron, I feel like the box is too big. I mean, I still feel... You don't see that huge hunch or, or this huge box on the Atlas, do you? I mean, so I never understood why you would make it like a shoot me here sign. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? It's all about the rule of cool. Big ballistics means more power. I don't know. Maybe by fluff it's easier to change out the, the weapons in there if it's like modular, like a big box. I think well, it's I'm... the hunchback. And if you didn't have that, it would be a Hollander. Well, no, you can. St- I'm, what I'm saying is, I feel like right now, as the current hunch on it stands, it still needs to re- be reduced by a third. I've, I still feel it's too big. And then on top of that, how the they introduced the new with the gridiron and the 4G, and now you add an AC5, it juts out from the edge. I never like. I'm like, wow. So you're. I don't know. Uh, so I was happy with the 4J changes. I was oh, happy. Yes, that was excellent. Also, them changing uh, the geometry of a variant that much kind of gives me hope that maybe they'll do something for the dragon or awesome eventually with their yeah. crippling hitboxes. Not to mention the 4SP, I really I was about to say, well. the 4SP with no hunches at all. It's beautiful. I just feel like one of the things uh, especially with the, d- the design of them is the aesthetics and the actual physical profile of the mech means so much on the battlefield if it's easy to you know aim especially when you have a target as the hunch what anyone who fights a hunchback goes for the right torso i mean unless it's the 4sp or you know the 4j even the 4j i would say so i still feel that it's too big i'm not saying remove it darren Uh, i totally agree it needs that sort of iconic look but i still feel it's a giant shoot me here and uh unfortunately i still think that affects how it's used now that being said um you can still uh rock it out with ac20 and use your left side to you know a zombie a little bit and get in there i mean i i I make it work every single day i see a ton of people out there that make it work and i still feel the hunchback is by far my favorite chassis to run out of all the variants like i love running all of them even the 4j you know whereas i don't like all the blackjacks you know i like the bj1 and the bj3 i don't like the you know the 1x and the 1dc i just don't like them um so it's one of the few chassis that i like across the board is there anything that you guys would you know say about the hunchback that you'd like changed except for the you know obviously the hunch uh did the crosshair ever get fixed on it Ooh, are you talking about uh when you're aiming it that little offset to the i think it was right that would be that would be the correct one i am talking about Actually, yeah, it's like know. up and to the right a little bit, right? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's off by a little bit. Especially, it's somewhat frustrating, especially with uh, I know when I was running the uh, my hoplite variant, the 4SP, running it, and then the medium or not the medium lenses, the large lasers. I would aim at a distance, and they would be off just enough. So instead of hitting that uh, cord CT, I'd be hitting it in the left torso or right torso, and I'd be like, damn it. I guess my reason for asking about this is as we move down the line and more and more of the legacy you know like the awesome i feel like there are definitely things design wise it's like it will impact whether or not that chassis is used whether in pug play how often it's used and i'm sure competitive play i mean uh you know tyler for competitive play there are designs that are specifically not taken because of how easy it is to to hit the ct or specific components i mean uh what are your thoughts on that 
Yeah, that's exactly right. There's several mechs that are automatically pretty much out for high-level competitive play. Like the the Awesome and even the, the Jaeger mech. Even though it's popular in bug play, it's not a viable high-end competitive mech because of its huge side torsos and inability to protect them. It's too easy to disable. Now, with the Jaegers, could you say that's a trade-off for having the high-profile weapon mounts compared to, like today I was rolling with the uh, Orion or even the Cataphract to some extent? With the low slung arms? Oh yeah, it's definitely a trade-off, and it's a nice thing to have for the Jaeger mech, but uh, in, a, in an environment where everybody knows how to aim and make almost every shot count, uh, it's huge side torsos really limit it from being able to be used. So ultimately, my conclusion is, I like the gridiron. If you missed out on the founders and you want a Hunchback 4G, but you get a 30% bonus, I would say grab it. Uh, not to mention, yeah, I think what... Uh, is the whole special thing going on with the cockpit, the whole pom-pom cheerleader? Is that still going on, or is that out? I think it's possibly out. Anyways, uh, it might be out by the time this comes out. But anyway, um, I like it. The one thing is I still feel like the hunchback needs that, like, it's like, okay, the hunch is still the same size on all of the ones that matter, I guess, the most to an extent. And then now the barrels, if you will, the gun tubes are protruding. I just, I feel like that detracts from the whole look. I like the whole... Um, bore look of it you know where you know goes inward but uh i I just uh i I hope that more attention is paid to um some of the chassis like the awesome i've talked about it um the dragon specifically as well just where their ct or if it's the size of a barn door it doesn't matter what it looks like it'll be easy to hit but uh hopefully we'll see some of those changes someday soon we can see hunchbacks without hunches and skinny awesomes i can't wait well it what i'm trying to say i'm fucking with you no, look at the Victor compared to the Awesome. You know, uh, they're, they're well. <laughs> no, I'm I'm serious. Like, why would one be used of the other? Obviously, someone could say jump jets. The other's hard points. You know, and then look at which one's easier to take out of the fight. I mean, you know, you're looking at uh, pretty much the same tonnage, eighty to eighty-five. I always feel like there's this um, inevitable draw to to bring every mech to the same point. And, and it's a weird thing. And I, I understand that this isn't tabletop. This isn't the books, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I just feel like that's the awesome. Well, the even the Mech Warrior 4, it was skinnier. Yeah, think about barely, that. Barely. Barely. No. It's no. <laughs> all right. All right, so let's move on to the second topic. Now, this came out. Um, I remember the reaction was some positive, some negative. AC 10 and 20 changes. Now that we've had some time to play with it, um, what are your guys' initial thoughts on the 10? And then uh, the 20. What about you, uh, Tyler? All right, let's start with the 10. The 10 is now going only 50 meters per second faster than the old AC-20 projectile speed, which makes it extremely difficult to hit long-range targets with, which is what uh, the AC-10 used to be able to reliably do that. So it's effectively desynced the AC-10 with the PPCs, and AC-10s have almost completely been taken off the table now is for sniping builds. And the AC-20 has been slowed down so much to 650 meters per second that it is completely out for trying to hit long-range targets. Unless you're shooting at something that's moving directly towards you or directly away from you, you're pretty much going to be spreading damage to a location that you weren't intending to aim for. So unless they're uh, inside of 300 meters and they're moving perpendicular to you, outside of that range, you're going to be missing them with the AC-20 or spreading it to a different component. So I'm not sure what their goal was with these weapons, but it's completely desynced them with the PPC, so that's not a viable combo anymore. I would go out and limb and Brandon pipe in here. I think that's why they did it. I mean, I think we've seen a shift from PPCs and Goss synced up right to yep. goss being desynced um and i still feel you know talking to you tyler uh and other competitive players you know the two ppc ac5 meta it's boring i mean even you've said it's boring but you use it because it's the most effective but i still feel like the ac10 and 20 with ac5 not being changed it hasn't changed the meta as far as that's concerned except on a few I, builds i'd have to say at this point maybe now that they changed all the ballistics and PPCs are still very popular, that maybe perhaps it wasn't the ballistics that were the problem. Maybe instead of putting the charge on the Gauss, they should have put it on the PPC instead. That's just what I'm going to say. I think that was everybody's opinion. 
Well, on top of the AC 10 and 20 changes, I'm just going to throw this out there. I haven't noticed as much of a change with AC 10s. Um, I run them on my K2 all the time. Um, it's still very viable and effective, which I still think the AC-10s are an underrated weapon. A lot of people would take a LBX over them. I still feel the AC-10 is better than the LBX. Of, of course, disclaimer, you're talking about random battles. Yes. Um, and then the 20, I definitely have noticed, and even against the lights uh, in pug battles, it threw me off for a little bit, just getting used to, oh, I got to lead a little bit less uh, or a little bit more because of that but uh overall i wasn't disappointed by it but as soon as they went in the first thing that popped in my head was desyncing from uh ppcs and stuff like that which i don't think that's a problem and i'm just gonna throw out i like the fact that every weapon system has its own characteristics like i.e lasers have a duration you have to expose you know x amount of time a duration and stuff like that LRMs, you know, you have to have a lock on, you know, not not necessarily line of sight, but someone has to have line of sight. And then you've got ACs, which are definitely your direct impact weapons. But I feel that PPCs, given their nature, they're actually a ballistic weapon behind the scenes. I still feel either they need a charge mechanic or make them a duration-based or, or some type of bolt-based uh, weapon to where it desyncs them from ACs. Because, Tyler, we've literally seen the Goss PPC shift to... PPCs and ACs, 10s, and now and 20s to basically just PPCs and AC5s. And why is that? It's because it's the same velocity, same speeds. You can impact the same location and do the max alpha damage. Yeah, it's the it's the PPC, not the, any yeah. of the other weapons it's being paired with. And that's always been the case since they first buffed it over a year ago now. And... I mean, as long as that PPC is still firing that fast and with no other kind of mechanic, not, not that I want to make it that much more complicated than the game already is, the the PPC needs something else. So I'm curious to see what's next on the, the nerf table. Is it going to be the AC5s next, or are they finally going to hit the PPC really hard? But myself, what? I'm gone back to uh, Gauss PPC, favoring the Gauss PPC. I've just dealt with the mechanic of the Gauss charge-up, gotten really efficient with it, and that's kind of my go-to now. Now, granted, yep. sorry, uh, Brennan, I'm just going to preface this because I know Darren will probably say it. He'll be like, there will always be a min-max setup, you know, uh, especially the the high-elo competitive You're not scene. me. Don't tell but, me what I'm thinking. And I agree, but we've yet again seen over and over. Uh, first, it was the ER, you know, ER PPC, PPC fiasco with the Gauss. Uh, you know, Goss was changed, PPC years were nerfed, now it's PPCs and AC5s. And I feel like, yes, you're totally correct, uh, Darren, <laughs> when uh, you say your statement. But I also feel like PPCs, yet again, at the heart of it. I don't think the damage is wrong. Um, I just feel like the alpha of, what, 30, 40 pinpoint hit in the same location. I mean, even if the, the PPCs were beamed, you know, or some type of different mechanic slightly or whatever, not making it harder necessarily, but changing the way it does its damage, either whether it's splash damage or whatever, it would it would it would reduce the amount of alpha damage um that's done to one one point. So Yeah, no matter what it is, the PPC is always gonna be the go to right now as far as a pinpoint accuracy weapon due to the fact that it is seven tons, especially when you were comparing it to like the uh the Gauss rifle or even the A C twenty like the way I saw it was that why would you nerf those because still basically if you're going to go by per ton two PPCs is still the equivalent of a Gauss rifle so by just removing the Gauss rifle I mean you still have two PPCs which did end up doing more damage roughly. And I don't think like I said um, you know some people are saying you know that's that's war and stuff like that. Well I, I feel it's very bland to me, um, and this isn't anything against uh, high elo players or the high bracket or anything, but when you run into two PPCs, AC5s on everything, that to me is just very boring, uh, me as a player. And I mean, that's why I run, as some people would say, very unoptimized builds, you know, but I feel they're more enjoyable, um, you know, I mean, it's, that's just how I I. I like my gameplay to be a little bit, you know, a variety. So when you hop in, um, seeing different weapon systems, obviously from the pug standpoint, I still see quite a bit. So don't get me wrong. I just, I still see a lot of that crossover, um, you know, Highlander 733Cs, you know, and stuff like that. 
I think the whole balance topic is just insane. I'm glad I'm not the person in charge of balancing. Um, you know, people. It's such a hot topic um, and damned and difficult. If you do, damned if you yeah, don't. Yeah, totally. And and the thing is, also, we may not be seeing the big picture. You know, the the clan mechs are coming, and you know, maybe some of these uh, nerfs and buffs and stuff are start to prepare for what's uh, six months down the road or whatever. But what a fucking job! And what I would really love to see is some kind of alternate future where you know the people in the competitive brackets like uh tyler here have multiple weapons to choose from like i just can't imagine that happening there it's always going to be down to such a science that i it, you know is there ever going to be a time where they have five weapons that they use consistently in competitive will that ever be uh, i'm just looking at other games uh first person shooters or whatever and it doesn't seem like anybody else has really achieved that but maybe we'll see it here well can we look at one thing and agree on one thing is the fact that even in the old PPC Gauss rifle mechanic and now with PPC AC5s, one of the main reasons it's used um, is the fact from, you know, close range, 90 meters to outwards of pretty much max range or a good distance away, you can do a nice set of volley damage to one hit location for the most part, right? And the PPCs and the ACs travel at the same speed. I feel like that is the same thing we've seen every single time throughout the time of this this balancing is the fact that some of your most uh, I'm gonna I'm not gonna say exploitive builds but min max builds have been just that and so I, I feel like that's a part of the whole equation that you're right there will always be min max there will always be the meta if you will you know what's maybe in in the eyes of some of the competitive players what is always best but. I feel like if you can desync that, if you can make it so the whole high alpha at zero to almost max range, if you can get rid of at least the majority of weapons that can do that, you know, and that's where I feel Ty- like ACs are, are supposed to, that's their role is it's their, they do all their damage in one hit, whereas, you know, lasers and other weapons are supposed to spread that out. Tyler, do you see a future? where you could be picking PPCs, AC2s, AC20s, LRMs, or SRMs for competitive? Do you see that future? Picking all those things above? Yes. Any of them. Yeah, you think so? Uh, abs- well, yeah, absolutely. You already mentioned ACs and PPCs. Those are being used quite a bit. Uh, once the ability to choose your map is in, many of these weapon systems will become much more popular. So uh, once we're mm. able to see, like and say, Alpine Peaks is coming up, that's when you would load up on AC2s and LRMs, because gotcha. those two weapons are amazing on that map. And you would see probably less, uh, maybe not as much AC5, you still see PPCs probably. But people would customize their loadouts for these efficient maps. So you don't want to drop with a uh, primary LRM deck in competition, because you might get River City, and then that's pretty much dooming yourself. But Very if you good had point. Caustic, if you had Caustic or uh, Alpine you would want to bring those weapons. So that's kind of what's holding a lot of weapons from being viable in competitive play. Well, I mean, in the competitive play, couldn't you say, obviously picking your map, um, you know, the launch module, they said, you know, private matches, you're going to be able to do that anyway. My issue, um, and before we, we get too off there, is the balancing of pug play. You not knowing what map you're going to get, obviously you want to take either a well-rounded, you know, short and long but I think one of the issues right now is because you don't know, so many people take the, you know, the, the meta, if you will, the AC5 to PPC or, or something like that, because it can basically do pretty much max damage, very close range combat all the way out. And, so you know, then my question would be, before we get to a point where we can pick the map, is there any way to do this kind of balancing? Or is this something that just ha- we have to wait to, to get to that point where we can actually pick the map? Uh, for now... LRMs will not be uh, become prevalent in uh, competitive play because they're easy to mitigate by cover. Just smart movement to cover. I would love to see SRMs come back, but right now, hit registration for SRMs is not very reliable. And you can win and lose a game based on hit registration these days, and if half of your SRMs aren't registering, that could just cost you the game. So it's, again, too much of a liability. Yeah, SRMs, I feel, are huge right now, um, and the lack of uh, that you see them. I mean, I've taken them, I take them in my Victor, but it's definitely subpar um, performance on them. 
I mean, and you look at the Wolverine and Griffin right now, I feel those would shine. I mean, you're talking about 55-ton mechs that can carry three to four of them. Basically, the zombie, you know, sent, but with jump jets. And they're not able to do that. Or if they do do that right now, they're gimped. Um, and, yeah. I, and I feel like that's the reason why you don't you don't see them running those. That's so. why I didn't pick up the Saber package, is because they had no interest in addressing the SRM hit registration anytime soon. Now so they I did, didn't pick them up. Russ did say they're aware of it. He just basically said, look, guys, you know, they're on UI 2.0 right now. And I, I, I get that. Um, it's just every single day when I play, I'm like, oh. Now, uh, Ronan in, in chat here said that hit registration for everything is bad right now. Um, is that the case? And if not, why are the SRMs, you know, the only thing people are complaining about? SRMs have been bad for a long time now. And uh, between SRM hit registration being very poor... And the damage being at set down to 1.5 for so long before they put it back up to 2. Brawling has been completely taken out of the game, basically. It used to be a beautiful and viable tactic. And um, I still love Brawl decks. It's a lot of fun to get in there and mix it up and use those uh, other weapon combinations and strategies, tactics. But uh, Amen. I haven't noticed any issues. All, well, I am, am seeing all weapons across the board slipping. And we're not sure if it's an issue with some servers having problems that you happen to get on uh, a bad server. Because it seems that in, on some drops, you have nearly flawless hit registration. On others, you can have a third of your shots not count. So people are trying to dig into why this is happening. So well, if you get into, uh, sorry, Phil, just real quick. If you get into a game where you notice that things are not registering, is it just the SRMs that are sticking out? Somebody said my LRMs aren't registering. It, are medium lasers not registering part of the time? That's correct, yes. I've had many problems where I lose full medium laser alphas into enemies. Like six medium lasers and nothing. No flash. See, I've only noticed SRMs and the occasional like AC hit. I haven't noticed any LRMs or... Um, just for the fact that when I fire LRMs, one, I don't take them very often, but two, I don't expect everyone to hit, and I don't know if everyone hits because a lot mm-hmm. of the time it's indirect fire. Um, and then with the AC-20, I've only noticed a few times where I've hit them. It's a lot less than it was like back when I used to hate uh, spiders before I could hit them. You know, those are the type of things. But SRMs, I've had times where I'm like, oh, wow, that did good damage. And they do do damage sometimes. Sometimes they don't do anything. And... Um, I, you know, I'm at a, a crossroads here because I agree with Tyler as far as their damage, but I also feel like if they buff them right now, because sometimes they work, sometimes they're subpar, sometimes they don't work, it would overinflate them to a certain extent. And then, unless PGI was to say, hey, now we just fixed the issue, we're going to bump these back down. Sort of like the PPC nerf way back when. The whole point of PPCs, the buff to them, was because their hit detection was low so they buffed them and then that didn't get changed and adjusted for a while so it's just one of those things where i want to see srms being used because i feel like a lot of builds need them and i think it would change how the games are played especially in pug play um i mean i see brawling on a day-to-day basis but i also see a lot of meta um and that's because you know, AC, PPCs and AC5s tend to hit and do damage every single time. So it's funny uh, how much uh, MWO is a. There's so many people that love brawling. Now uh, we know Sidestrafe is a total sniper. It, the whole brawling factor in MechWarrior Online kind of drives him crazy. He just sees everybody charge in. But there's, I think, a ton of MechWarrior vets just freaking love brawling. I, I live for it. Brawling is my favorite by far. Uh, I'm assuming that's the same for a lot of people out here. Well, look at. When we first started playing MWO in closed beta, I was uh, even when it went open. Actually, I would say when it went open, I think that was sort of the the key time or gold period, if you will. For it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, all I remember for MechWarrior Four was just a snipe battle. That's all it was. The entire member <laughs> Tyler, you, yeah, Tyler, you were playing MechWarrior Four uh, a few few uh, weeks ago on a stream, and. <laughs> I, I'm going to just sort of quote you. You were like, whoever said this game was balanced, you're out of your fucking mind. And, and he was playing single player. And so I remember hopping in and just battles being, you know, up in your face to, you know, uh, and, and MWO, I can say, as far as gameplay, I think everyone's 
can say uh, it's the best game we've seen so far as far as gameplay. Um, you know, but the brawling aspect, bring I it back. It. Yeah, I, I see it on a day basis, but I can also understand what people say when they're talking about brawling, like as a strategy. Um, and without SRMs, it pretty much nerfs a lot, if not all of the, the mech builds. So I would love to see a day in competitive where there's like a lance or half the team or something like that is set up for brawl so that when somebody comes around a corner, you know, they set up ambushes or something, you know, something new tactics um, coming into the, the competitive scene would be awesome. Just make it a lot more fun to watch. And we're, I, we're waiting. Everybody. Oh, I know you are. It. Everybody wants SRM's hit registration to be fixed and for medium pulse lasers to get some kind of buff. Large pulse as well. All right, so let's go ahead. We need to do a podcast on pulse lasers. I don't have that on my <laughs> notes, but we need to talk about that. But uh, All right, so the next thing we have, uh, cockpit glass went in on the patch as well. Um, I didn't see it in the public playtest, uh, um, but uh, I saw it, uh, you know, obviously when the patch went live. My first initial reactions were, oh, okay, I see what it is. Um, playing throughout my, you know, multiple chassis, there are some that are affected by it more than others. Um, overall, I have no problem with the cockpit glass. My one issue with the cockpit glass is this. You have another layer in between you and the game that in my opinion the game looks great and it's and i feel you know obviously the game could look even better you know as far as aesthetics there's a few uh you know filters that i would definitely turn off uh i want colors i would love to see you know the old older, forest colony well the older met just older mwo um now granted what i think what they've done is they've had to adjust for performance across the board and i think eventually we'll see an art pass where you know sweeping changes will occur but it's just another layer on top of, and it just, to me, I like the immersion factor. I love it. And obviously when they introduce cracking and stuff like that, it'll be even cooler and better. But aesthetically, some of the mechs, it's just like, ah, now I can't see this beautiful game that you have. Really? So I can understand that. What about you, uh, Brennan? It's definitely one of the problems. Uh, the biggest problem I've seen is from people wanting to do cinematic type videos uh, as far as complaint with cockpit glass. Uh, that being said, I personally have no quorums with cockpit, gla- cockpit glass, though I can see where some people might not like it and it might interfere with what they uh, see in, as far as battle goes and stuff like that, but I've run into no problems. I most of the time I forget that it's even there sometimes except for when I look on certain angles on like River City and stuff like that I get the the glare every now and then but most of the time I don't notice it so I'm kind of impartial for me who finally has a computer that can play MWO and I turned it on the other day and was just walking around in the training grounds and that's when I realized oh yeah that's right they put in cockpit glass and I was walking around it never bothered me before, but now it was almost giving me, I don't know, a headache or nausea or something. And it may be because I'm very motion sensitive, um, but it, it wasn't bothering me before. Now, I've been watching, I like watching um, MP stream a lot. And when I do, I uh, have it in full resolution on, on the screen. And it's doing the same thing, you know. So I hope they come up with a way to toggle it on and off. Especially for someone like myself who is just trying to learn it, this completely breaks it for me because I can't uh, without getting ill. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the way the cockpit glass has been for me is that when I'm sitting there staring at it and trying to find it, then I pay attention to it. But when I get once I get into the match and I'm really into it or whatever, I pretty much don't uh, notice it at all. And I'm wondering if you know if the cockpit glass had been in there from the start, obviously we'd all be used to it and we wouldn't be complaining about it. But I do agree. That it does add another, you know, layer on top of kind of the whatever filters are being used, and a very good point uh, that Brandon made as far as people uh, shooting videos and trying to get clear pictures and so forth. That's obviously going to affect them. Maybe some kind of option to turn it off, I, but I don't know. Then it's I mean, then the people that have it turned off maybe have an advantage, et cetera, et cetera. I like the immersion effort, and I would like to see that go further with breaks and and other stuff. But uh, yeah. Again, it takes, to me, it takes the gameplay and immerses you a little bit more. Obviously, with cracks or, or something like that, maybe, uh, you know, uh, melting, if you will, sort of like the pop, 
pocket marks, you know, uh, pock marks in your mech and your armor and stuff if that happens on the, the, the cockpit uh, armor. Um, by the way, it is armor. It's not glass. Let me just clarify. You know, the, the Battletech nerd in me just has to throw that out there. But aesthetically, I feel like it should be around the edges and that's it. And to me, it hasn't really taken away, especially when you zoom in. I have noticed it. Um, and I feel like the, the game, it's just another layer that maybe they need to turn off some of the filters. Um, you know, uh, I don't really notice film grain. I know people throw that term out there. It used to be a whole lot worse. I don't really notice it, but maybe they do need to turn off some of the, the brown filters and stuff. Let's see the game a little bit more clear and brighter. And then that wouldn't be such, uh, such an issue with the, um, the cockpit glass. Yeah. My only issue with it is it slightly obscures vision a little bit more on certain maps. Uh, but other than that, I I think it's cool. Every once in a while, you notice it, and it, it looks neat. In uh, the awesome, it's actually not too bad. The awesome has a pretty big um, you know view viewport as well. But uh, yeah, I love it. I like I said, I think it would be awesome to have these like uh, little pocket you know marks in the viewport when you get hit, or even like a almost like a you know when you get slashed by a laser and stuff like that. But you know, on the art side, we have seen. Uh, just just a note, we have seen them take the game. I think the game used to look a lot um, better aesthetically and they had a lot more options, but I think because of the performance impact it caused a lot of people, they had to... Remember, I mean, damage models, they used to have damage textures. They actually had multiple different textures, but they basically, I think, reduced it down to one because it was impacting performance too high on, you know... I mean, so it's one of those things where I can understand why some of the uh, things were changed. But that being said, you know, if I've got a really nice system, it'd be nice to be able to turn that up and let the eye candy shine, right? Yeah, I think kind of. I kind of agree with that. Because as a few people have said, or one person said multiple times, war is dirty. And these aren't, like other first-person shooters, we're not looking through our own eyes. But, but then, you know, it's a vehicle with, yeah, it's not a window, it's it's armored glass or whatever. And so I'm thinking, like, do we want to clean up every single map and make them all pretty? No. I think maybe it'd be nice to have some in there that, uh, as people have requested, have, you know, pretty colors and uh, fields of flowers or whatever. But for the most part, I agree. War is dirty and things aren't always just like uh, Apple Store clean or whatever, you know, in, in, in war. No, totally get you. Yep, totally agree. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the NARC changes coming. Um, this hasn't gone in just yet, uh, but it looks like it's going to be in possibly on the 4th, um, and it's basically making NARC viable, uh, or at least a step forward. And one of the, the things are, um, the biggest change, I think, with NARC would be the fact that it's not destroyed just based off damage applied to, to said mech. So now it's going to be, hey, it lasts for X amount of time, and then it goes away. Now... This is interesting because with MechWord Living Legends, the mod, how they did it is the narc would last the entire duration unless you were hit by shoot a PPC. Shoot me, shoot me. Yeah, it would be like, oh, shoot, you know, hit me with the PPC. And you would, uh, you know, obviously because the EMP effect, it would knock, you know, the narc out. Um, so you'd have your friendly shoot you with it. But um, the narc changes from the competitive scene. Tyler, what are your thoughts? It's good to see them doing something for the narc. Things pretty much have been a brick since the game came out uh, it's not been worth using but this is about all they can do for the narc really besides like uh, permanently revealing them as someone that can be locked onto after being narked this is about as close as we get to the narc uh, being what it needs to be I, I still think that the narc could probably use some more ammo per ton but other than that this really is the most they can do what is X amount of time how much time so we have no info not long enough <laughs> I see 15, 20, and 30 seconds. So it's somewhere between 15 and 30 seconds? Uh, somewhere between 1 and 0. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's between 1 and a million. I think it's 30. There's a lot of 30s there. So 30 seconds. Hmm. I think you'll probably see them a little bit more in at least four-man pugs and stuff like that. But I still think with the unevenness which LRMs are in the competitive play, you still probably won't see narcs even with buffs. Uh, just because people aren't going to run LRM boats in my experience. What's all... Okay, so to touch on this, the whole point of NARC is similar to TAG, but you, you know, obviously you shoot a missile or, you know, NARC, it locks on to the mech, clamps on, and it gives you a beacon. It's a NARC beacon. It's there, and then LRMs just, you know, rain. I think what Brandon just said is right on 
you know, the, the tip there, just as far as tip of the spear of, are LRMs effective in pug play and or in competitive play? And Tyler was saying it, they're not because on certain maps, you can get cover well, e- too easy. So unless you were to change NARC, which I think this is a positive step moving forward, or unless you were to increase the velocity, the speed of LRMs, not necessarily their damage, but just the velocity of when they get to set target. Because in my opinion, a lot of the times, it not it's not necessarily that uh, I think the, the LRMs are underpowered. I feel that I have ample enough time to get into cover most of the time. Even if I'm sort of in the open, I can run and get to cover. So if you introduce NARC and possibly some buffs to the velocity, not necessarily the changes to the damage, because we see what happens if you do that. You don't, you know, <laughs> you don't want to buff LRMs to damage or to where they're hitting and just I think, cock, cockpitting everyone. I think LRMs are fine as they are, but yeah, the dark, the only thing I could probably put forward that yeah you definitely don't want to touch lrms right now because right now lrms i think in my opinion are probably pretty good yeah the changes with the narc the changes that are coming are really good if i had my way and my wish i would put i'd make it one crit slot that it takes up instead of the two and i would bump it up to 18 shots per ton that's the only other things i would change a few people are asking uh, why narc when you can tag. Now, the the most obvious thing to me is because, like for example, a light Fire with a forget. yeah, you, a light can just run behind the enemy line, uh, narc somebody, and get the fuck out, and doesn't have to sit there holding the tag. Just look at the benefits of a UAV when it goes up. I mean, yeah. now imagine you throw a narc on someone; they can't get rid of it. They're lit. Boom, you're, you're done. And that's why I feel like you were just, uh, someone was just saying medium range with LRMs is great. Um, I feel like, uh, yeah, that may be true. It's the fact that the the slow velocity, the, the travel time of uh, LRMs from longer ranges, uh, usually, especially with how gameplay is, you can lock onto that Highlander 733C before it goes down the hill, right? And you can get off a volley, but it drops behind the hill. Uh, and I feel like because of the travel time, it just, it, it either doesn't ever get to a target or it hits the hill, you know, or whatever. I mean... I just feel like uh, velocity could definitely be improved a little bit. The only other thing yeah. I could think of, maybe, and this is if they ever consider it, is uh, maybe introducing a NARC performance module in which the time in which the NARC is active is actually increased. That but could be a thing as well. I would never use it because it, well, to I mean, me... It... If we're talking the difference between like 30 seconds of the NARC right now and bumping up to maybe a full 45 oh, okay. to yeah. even 60 seconds then of active NARC time and it can't be disrupted now, you, we might see more LRM boats and that sort of thing on the field. All right, so I think we all agree that we're looking forward to seeing that coming in. Obviously, that's possibly February 4th. Now, uh, one thing, artillery, airstrikes, headshots, and proposed changes coming into um, play. We were actually just talking about this uh, on podcast uh, 100, and I talked to you quite a bit, uh, Tyler, and I've seen a lot of feedback. Obviously, when they introduced airstrikes um, and artillery, they did so. Um, they weren't really OP. And in my opinion, that was a great stance. They were cautious. They yeah, yeah, they were cautious going into it. I think that was a good stance for them. You know, the community's very passionate. They would have been like, oh my god, you know. Now that they buffed them, the issue I have is that, and <laughs> uh, I've heard competitive scene when there's 24 of them. But even it's just nonstop. Play, yeah, yeah, even in pug play, it's everyone just takes it, um, you know, if they have two modules. Do you think they should limit this to where you can only have one of each? Or should they just lower the damage or maybe the area spread of it? I mean... Yeah, well, right now you can already only have one of each, but I would be fine with them limiting it to, like, one strike period. You have to choose artillery or airstrike. Right. That would be a step in the right direction. But also, I think it's universally agreed in the competitive community that it needs to have its damage dropped by about uh, 25%. Uh, the four hundred percent increase in damage was nobody yeah, saw that, that, that coming. Was a, that was no one saw it coming, and it was a bit of a over jump. But I mean, what they should just, have been doing is every week scaling down or something like that until they find the right spot and not just yep. leave it at four hundred percent. Scale down. It's it's, it's not going to go away though. If they even if they do take the damage down to uh, thirty, 20, right? Twenty five percent down. Yeah, down to thirty per projectile. It's only AC thirties from the sky instead of forties. Well, if you <laughs> reduce if you reduce the amount of them, say they did say hey. You can take an arty or an airstrike 
just one of them on your mech, just reducing the amount. You're going from possibly 24 down to 12. Um, obviously, you still want them to be viable, but we saw them not be viable before because their damage was too low. I'm hearing a lot of people say damage is fine. It's the fact that there's 24 of them, and that's only what's being used. Not all of them actually end up getting used in a competitive match most of the time, unless there's a long standoff. Because even with 12 on a team, that's two minutes straight of non-stop some kind of strike is raining on the field because of the 10-second cooldown, universal cooldown. And so most fights do end up happening in like two minutes when a push starts going off. So it would be a step in the right direction to limit these things and reduce the damage, but uh, I think even if they cut the damage by half, we would still see them all over the place because a well-placed strike can completely change the outcome of a match. A lucky headshot on something early in the game, uh, a great strike when people are pushing through a narrow passage, it can really change things. I, I think when you when you said AC forty is falling from the sky, that that put it into such a, a clear picture, and that's scary when you think about AC forty is dropping from the sky. Now somebody there well, said um, that they should make a new module that drops uh, red smoke. That's kind of brilliant, actually. You know, you could even maybe have multiple, uh, like do like, three like of a them. Like a player launcher, almost. <laughs> and and it could you have more shots with it because it doesn't actually drop the artillery, but it does uh, obviously deter people because people are so. Uh, scared I, of artillery I would, see, I would just love a smokescreen canister type thing in general because i mean how many times i know i've gotten stuck in a few times where uh, we're all backed up behind a hill or something like that because there's smokescreen would be cool. a group of six or seven seven uh, seven three three c's up on the other hill and just pop the smoke and back out before you get jump sniped to death i think I even think... uh even better usage of something like that would be to close the distance for a brawl deck oh yeah uh, but people, I think, would have issues. There'd probably be frames per second problems, so people would just say, "Yeah, oh, you're, you're nuking my FPS." Yeah, and you know, one thing um, I would almost say is uh, smoke screens be sort of on every mech. I, I feel like that should be just a like the vehicles in Battlefield. Yeah, well, I mean, just yeah, like the vehicles in Warfare right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, the smoke yeah. launches on the vehicles. Obviously, you know, I see them all the time um being used and i've i'd hell today in um the stream there was one point on alpine i popped over and the entire they had eight enemy mechs were within 25 meters of each other clumped and i was just thinking drop freaking arty on their face that happening uh, i see a lot of headshots and i have a lot of people i've been uh, once i've had it once happen to me um where i've had just my head just completely removed by it I've seen Lenny, a Rodian, mid-air, in his spider, in air, have his head cleanly removed by it. So I feel, yeah, it's blocked that, you know, but when you're in a competitive match, I could definitely see where you're like, well, that's that's bullshit. And I've heard, I've seen, I've been watching a lot of the streams, and they'll be like, oh yeah, and they'll, uh, the other team will be like, dude, sorry, bro, that's, that's total, you know, BS. Is that sort of across the board no one likes that randomness taking someone out all the way i i think it depends if you're doing just like a 12 man or a four man drop type of thing without a competitive setting like if you're not doing merrick if you're not doing proxies if you're not doing uh run hot or die and you're not doing the remnant tournament or anything like that yeah i think in general no one likes getting the one shot death from an arty strike because everyone wants that brawl down the board and everyone's brawl but i know with aces and merrick 2.0 and stuff like that when we dropped when we dropped Artie and got that one shot on like a Jenner or something like that flanking around, oh man, you should have heard the team speak. Everyone's yelling and hollering because that's one less mech you have to worry about and then you just roll over them. I mean, competitive players very very much dislike the random nature of the headshots or you can, even in assault mechs, you can have your legs taken clean off by a single strike. That's happened to me several times. Or have your arm taken off and that's devastating. Nobody likes that and it's... No, nobody likes when it, it comes when it's... mostly down to, to luck where those shells are going to be landing. Yeah, definitely. So you're saying everything should be skill based. Do you think that that's is that for the for the gameplay or do you think that's realistic as far as warfare goes? Because I don't think warfare is 100 percent skill based. I think there are a this lot of things that game. come down to luck. I mean, that's why screw... I said at the beginning, is it just to gameplay? Yeah, I mean gameplay. I mean we always. One thing that I see that air, air strikes and already are good for is if someone clumps together. I mean, you, you see it 
time and time again. <laughs> okay, you want to sit behind that hill and not move? Boom. Okay, yeah, now you're moving. So I do like the way they're used. Um, I just think that, of course, when you're on the receiving end, it does suck. But I got hit by three of them. Guess whose fault it was? Mine. Um, I stood in the same place around the you know capture point. That's my fault for being hit by three of them. You know, again, you know, it's like, well, hit me once, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. But uh, we do need to move okay, on. Okay, George Bush. We do need to move on to something that I feel is really important. And this is actually, we should have probably addressed this. In, uh, but let's go ahead and talk about, and this is more speculative. We are reaching out and we're hopefully getting you guys answers in the not too distant future about this. But two to 12 man groups coming up. You've, you, they have announced that uh, Russ, has said, uh, Russ and Brian have stated that in their t- uh, Twitter. Obviously, for those that haven't been here since closed beta, you used to be able to do an eight man group in random pug play. So eight of us on TeamSpeak in whatever max, obviously, because there's no restrictions, could drop against random pugs, even though there's random pugs, there could be groups and stuff in there. Wow. Um, so first off, I- I'm going to preface this of why is this change coming? And is this something that everyone wants? Because when they introduced four-man groups, I think the general m- majority of you know players were like, yeah, we understand why they're doing this. I sucked for some people though because they, you know, maybe they had five or six buddies and they couldn't, you know, drop anymore. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Darren? Oh, um, that's a huge question. I, I'm a, okay. So I see tons of people always saying, "Well, why do you have it limited to four people?" I have five friends. I have six friends. I mean, that can obviously go on forever. So, it, does that matter enough that everybody's always going to have more friends? And so let's make let's open it up to, um, you know, whatever two through twelve. I don't know if that's the the best direction Uh, i think this is going to be one of those things that i'm going to have to see in action along with how however elo and matchmaker is working like i just i can't really give an opinion on this i'm I'm nervous about what this could do to matches but i think if if the elo and matchmaker are working as hopefully uh they're meant to then then maybe it'll be okay but i don't know let me preface this too before i ask tyler this is in uh, response to obviously we were asking Russ and, and Brian his tweet and stuff like this. This is saying that the launch module will go live. You'll have two to twelve men groups, but there also be some type of tonnage system uh, there. We don't know the details on that. So this is basically saying the tonnage system and some type of obviously Elo and matchmaking. But I want to throw this out there. Even with this, you know, if you're dropping with twelve SJR. I mean, how? What are your thoughts on this, uh, Tyler? Yeah, this is, from as far as I can tell, go inviting back the the crazy pub stomp days of about a year ago. This time, where, like you said, eight people could get together and just tear up pugs. I could put together with this in place. I could put together a twelve man group almost any time during the day of people that I know, and we would go unopposed. It would be impossible for us to lose. And I don't think that's what PGI wants to see. People, just teams being put together, they'll just dominate every single game they're in. They want it to still be somewhat even. And uh, I am glad, though, that they're separating the solo queue. It's only going to be a 2 to 12. So people that want to drop by themselves finally will have the solo queue that people have been begging for since the, you know, closed beta. But 12 people is far too many. Now, now, do we know that, okay, let's say somebody's dropping a group of seven. Is it going to match it with another group of seven? And are those two groups of seven that are matched also going to be matched based on their individual ELOs? Like, you will there's always so many... have 12 mechs. There will always be 12 mechs no, I know. on the team. I'm saying seven grouped in one no. side, seven grouped in the other, the rest no. filled with pugs. No, I think what's going to happen, and this is why we need confirmation, is if they introduce, I know people have tossed out the number like 60 tons, 70 tons per player. I still don't think this is enough. Um, and the reason being is you drop 12 SJR, uh, and I'm just using you guys as, as a reference here. Um, you drop 12 SJR, and even if it's limited 60 tons per person, but that you know tonnage can be shared in between, you're still going to see min-max happening. You're still going to have X amount of Highlanders or Victors and Raven 3Ls running around or Jenners, and it'll be min-maxed. Now, I still feel you have to have another step above that, and it's going to be restrictive. And, and I feel like it has to go in. It. I almost feel like you have to have a class, a, a limit on how many, you know, met classes you can have in a pre-made. Uh, because 
you know, you well, okay, you're in a 12-man group, you know, you can only have three assaults at any given time, you know, and four heavies at any given time and stuff like that. Because if you don't, we, we know what happens right now, for, you know, in a, in a four-man pre-made, four Highlanders, seven, three, three Cs, or two Stalker Miseries and two Highlanders, or, I mean, those are the type of things that it sucks because, well, what other options do you have? Well, you have it open, and then it's, okay, well, there's 60 tons per person, but I'll just drop down to a Raven or a Jenner and give all my weight to the other one and just be just as effective. So that's what I'm concerned with is even with the tonnage system, I feel like you have to have a weight class uh, restriction in there as well for pre-mates, not necessarily individuals. But at that point, no matter what weight it is, is the weight's going to be the same on both teams if if it's shared like that. And so the the twelve man group of highly skilled and coordinated players, no matter whether the tonnage is even, that actually makes it even like more in favor of the high, you know, highly coordinated, highly skilled team. They will just roll every other team out there. I feel like it's, it's going to be not, tough. The weight balancing isn't going to help. Well, I feel like it's going to be tough, tough either or, where you have a tonnage and weight, um, uh, tonnage system and a class system. Because if you don't, I mean, we know. I mean, it's not saying a bad thing, but if you allow it, it will be used. If you allow four assaults in a, in a four-man pug group... Oh, you're right. You're totally it's, right. It's going to be abused. Um, if and they so, don't put tonnage limits in and they do open up the 2-12 to 12 man queue, there would be 12 Highlanders in a yeah. drop. You're yeah. absolutely right. I'm just saying that it's that, uh, not, that limiting that is not uh, going to help the, the fact that pub stomps are going to happen again. Yeah, now, I'm not so worried about the, the weight limits and what mechs are going to be in a drop. What I'm more concerned about, not that I'm not concerned about those, but is just the fairness. If they're putting seven skilled people into a match on one side and the rest are pugs, are they going to put seven skilled people on the other side and the rest are pugs? That's what I care about more than weight limits and so forth. No, just because uh, uh, you're in a pre-made and on-team speak or something doesn't mean you're always going to win. But we all know that it does increase... The odds. I mean, even if you're drunk and playing with friends, it increases the odds. I mean, so without that in-game command wheel to be able to issue orders quickly and effectively in a pug group, uh, you know. And granted, I say just because you're in a pug or on the side pugs, it doesn't mean all of you are just going to be individual pugs against a seven men organized. It could be there could be two groups. I mean, there could be endless combinations of, of people on a team, but. Uh, someone just said I always play drunk <laughs> with friends. Sorry. Um, but, you know, it is a huge concern with me. I mean, this is when they said two to 12 man groups, this is this made me wonder as soon as I heard it, I said, why? Why? Uh, not necessarily why is it going in, but is this what the player base wants? Uh, you know, as far as like, it, like this came out of nowhere. I mean, w- when four man groups went in, everyone, everyone I talked to was like, yeah, it sucks because we got like five or six guys we'd love to drop with at any given time. But it was a raffle stomp. And even PGI said it was a raffle stomp. I mean, pugs were just getting getting rolled, you know. Yep, and group size limits like this are totally common in, in comparable games. Now, that doesn't mean that it's right or wrong, but just saying it is, you know, a common practice, and I think for good reasons. But again, I think this is going to all come down to all the details that we don't know at this point. Exactly. I, I think right now the only way to really, if you want to do 2 to 12, there would have to be something in the matchmaking where your group size, it will try to match you up with a similar group size. So if you go into five people, it will match you up with another group of five and then fill the rest out with pugs, that sort of thing. Other than that, really there'd be no other way to balance it. Well, and you do have ELO that does come into effect, but obviously we've seen the changes recently to ELO um, and uh, Matt Craig did a you know breakdown and, and Paul did a breakdown and you may run into players that are maybe not on par with your skill level, but it's better than, you know, I guess, failing to find match, right? I mean, that's what was one of the complaints was continually failing to find match. So if you have a group that's all pre-made, more than likely your ELO is going to be higher than said, you know, collective. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday about this. It's all about attrition. I mean, every shot counts throughout the match. And as soon as one mech goes down on the enemy team, the odds start going in favor of, uh, you know, the opposite team. So 
what can you do? You know, we say, you know, pug stomp. I've had it happen to me countless times and stuff like that. But what can you do when you're down a lance because their actions or maybe just because maybe they, there was nothing they could do. And now you ate 8v12. It's just it's really tough. I mean, there's no really way and no other games have this perfected, by the way. Like, I've, I don't know um, World of Tanks, uh, War Thunder, all the other MechWarrior games. I mean, unless you were to have some type of system like a uh, respawn obviously you know we've got possibly what dropship mode or whatever they want to call it where you can take x amount of mechs in i think that'll dynamically change uh the game you know as far as hey you're allowed to take four mechs uh if they still do that or something like that that or respawning after you know so many seconds you know so it's one of those things unless they introduce and by the way i'm so down for that type of gameplay i just want some fun you know so all right, guys, we're going to go ahead and move on. Don't forget to check out uh, this week's giveaway by Catalyst Game Labs. It's a hex pack, mountains, and canyons. Go ahead and follow the link in the chat. I think uh, we've got Mr. Boo link in that. And, of course, we'll be giving away. Um, by the way, congratulations to Faust uh, for winning the, uh, the intro box set. Now I'll be sending that out tomorrow. And, of course, something I do want to point your way, if you haven't checked it out, the Lee Sung Mech Lab tool check out this video check out the link i love this tool uh jaeger have you checked this out yet no i haven't Ooh, uh if you're not familiar there's a tool called uh e-fitting tool in eve this is basically the mwo version of it and i love it i literally have spent hundreds well, okay maybe not hundreds but a lot of hours in eft uh, this is obviously you know something that she's been working on for a while she's going to continually update she's even doing a mobile version um, it basically is like Smurfy. She's even got uh, some collaboration with Smurfy uh, Net, so you can export and import links. Um, but the one thing that I like about it is it's not browser-based. I don't have to switch tabs to get any information. It's all right there. It also has graphs that show your DPS uh, and depending on the range and stuff like that. So if you're one of those players that wants to min-max and, and see where the best effective range is, check this out it is awesome. Thank you again. Uh, and we song. have a video for people as well on uh, our YouTube, right? Yes, so people sir. can check it out. Yeah, yep. I, I, that was pretty awesome, man. It's an incredible tool. And of course, a big thank you to our community, our listeners, new and old, and our amazing staff and our sponsors. Thank you again to our latest sponsors. We've got uh, The Tone, <laughs> GB Vandenberg, Rise, Henry Buzz, <laughs> Henry Buzz Gerber, Dadrick, Rocks Off, Super Atomic Airplane. Cody Glavel, Akix, Duke Bacon of House Bacon, and Lurch180. Thank you again. You guys are awesome. Yes, indeed. And also, I would like to uh, give a big thank you to, well, this last Friday, as I was just getting ready to go on for uh, Friday Night Community Night on uh, uh, Twitch stream, uh, my hard drive crashed, just blue screen of death. Have never had that happen to me. Um, and so a few of you pitched in and got me back up and running, literally in days where it would have been weeks otherwise. And I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to everybody who uh, pitched in and helped do that. My computer is back up and running, and I'm just kind of reinstalling a million uh, apps and so forth. But you guys are awesome. And also, I'd like to say, well, basically just salute Aces Wild for showing up in force to tonight's show. This was your local No Guts, No Galaxy MechWare podcast. Signing off for tonight, this is Phil. And this is Darren. This is Brandel, so known as Patrick Hill. This is Tyler. Until next time, Mech Warriors. It'd be best if you avoid me But I know you probably can't You sense something is wrong with me You can feel it on my skin But there is more with it Just a little off The truth is at one time I was 
But now I'm a robot Forever 